what have we done since last we chatted? Nothing? Uh, nothing. I did actually... Oh, wait, no, that was a different project. <laughs> <laughs> you rewrote it to run in a different environment, but you're thinking of something else. I am thinking of something else. <laughs> <laughs> this is The Robot Factory, a podcast where we record ourselves building an app to try and sell it. <laughs> We're going to try and get it acquired, zero to acquired. I'm Jonathan Bowers. And I'm Caleb Sharp. I wanted to share something with you just real quick before we get going. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just got a phone call from Costco. Costco? Called yeah. You? They have Our your number? Cost Costco. I got a phone Costco. call from Costco. Uh, I filled out their feedback form. I, I often do. So if they if you go to Costco and you find, oh, this thing that I used to buy isn't here anymore, and I like it, and I miss it, I write the little feedback form at the at the exit. So I went to do that the other week or the other day, and I didn't feel like writing it down. They had a big banner that says, like, just do this on the app. I was like, ah, sweet, but I was kind of in a hurry, so I'll, I figured I'd do it later. So I did it last night. I filled it out last night. I said, hey, this thing that you used to have, you don't carry anymore, this particular flavor of this thing. They had the other flavors. Uh, it's a protein drink. And uh, I said, I really miss the other flavor. But please bring it back. And he called me today <laughs> to say he had been in touch with his buying team and they have taste tested a different brand and that'll be making its way into the store at the end of May. And it's a better value and they think it's better tasting. So... <laughs> who, wait, who called you? Like Costco. Mr. Costco? Mr. Costco called the me. The head of Costco? S somebody at the Kamloops... Uh, warehouse oh. called and said yeah I, I but he he had called their buying team and sort of chased down the request and said oh yeah they've, wow. they've got they've got they've got a replacement product coming in uh look for it at the end of may so i'm super excited one that i get to have caramel flavored protein drink again yeah. and possibly cheaper but also that they just do that anyways yeah not not even the fact that they took your request but the fact that they like called you specifically to say that yeah, so I actually think that this is this is a hidden secret that people don't re don't know about Costco, and I don't know that it is true necessarily. But my in my experience, when you fill those things out, stuff happens. Like I know I filled it out once before, and because I don't remember what the product was, but they weren't offering it anymore. It was I couldn't find it on the shelves, and then I filled it out, and you know, a month, maybe six weeks later, it's back. And this was way before COVID and supply shortages and sort of the expected expected empty shelves of things. Right. And and it's happened regularly. So and I know um, we know some folks who've worked at Costco and they 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 do take those feedback forms quite seriously. So as a pro tip, if you're finding you're missing stuff in Costco, just fill out just fill out right. the little feedback form. It's it's awesome. I didn't even know that form existed. It was great. That's interesting. So, anyways. I wanted to share that just because it literally just happened and I was so excited to tell someone. So back to real estate image thing. We bought the domain openhouse.social. Yes. And we've launched it technically. Yeah. Mm. There was a, there was a brief count. hiatus and then all of oh. a sudden everything is done. <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Oh, you were working on another project. Yeah. The, yeah. There was a gap project. between the last, the last mm -hmm. chunk of effort on it and then. Yeah, so yes. we've we've actually taken uh, what has it been two or three weeks since the last time we recorded, and in that time, very little has been done up until yesterday or the day before. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I think what I want to do is because you said yesterday, let's let's launch this. It's good enough to launch. It's not good enough. To, I don't think to charge any money for it. Maybe it is. It's kind of terrible. I'd, I'd argue that 
it's not good enough to be free. <laughs> it's it's not good enough to be free. It's not good enough to be free, but it's good enough to charge money for. I think what? people have higher expectations of free oh, things. Really? Yeah, I think if uh, someone okay. comes across a, a free tool and it's broken, they're gonna be they just won't use it. Whereas if they're paying for it, they'll tell us that it's broken and then we can fix it. Oh, interesting. So are you suggesting that we don't launch a free thing at all and instead just go straight to charging money for this pile of garbage? I think, it, yeah, for like a really low price, like like a dollar, two dollars a month or something. Yeah, I don't know about that, but okay. Three dollars, four dollars? Well, there's, there's like the way credit card transactions work is you get 30 cents. It's char- you, you get charged 30 cents for the transaction. So... They have to send a physical check in the mail. Okay. So we'll ask for checks in the mail. Yeah. I love or, that. Or wire transfers. Yeah. So I have been following some more folks in the micro acquire ecosystem. The founder. I gotta, I can't think of his name. I got to look it up. Hang on. Hang on. Andrew uh, Gazdecki. I'm not sure how to say his last name. Gazdecki. I follow him. He's the founder of Microacquire. And he retweets lots of folks who are doing interesting things on the platform. And he tweeted about this this guy who had bought an app. It wasn't a like it didn't sound like it was a very big app. Well, it clearly wasn't because he bought it when it was making about four hundred to five hundred monthly recurring revenue. That's huge. Paid. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's not life changing, but it's like a big. Mm. It's a decent. It's a decent number. And he paid however much he paid. I don't remember what he paid for for this app. He acquired this app, and then when he started to look at the code the back end, he realized that a whole bunch of stuff needed to change. Like it just did, it wasn't gonna work. He was changing countries for one thing, which meant changing Stripe stuff. And as soon as he did that, he went to zero zero dollars in monthly <laughs> recurring revenue. So he had to like build it all back up. But he was doing a whole bunch of development cleanup work on the back end. And I thought it was interesting because like, I don't know, did he get a discount because it was such a terrible <laughs> app? And can that be improved? Like if we, if we, build it in a way that isn't awful more isn't you know doesn't need a ton of changes would that increase the price of the of like the the, the purchase price of this app so i'm interested in that i kind of want to reach out to the guy and just sort of ask him and like tell him what we're doing and not not because we want to sell him this app but just like understand his process a little bit and just see just see what he's doing because one of the things that i want to do with this is is include if possible you know as, as like an option to the sale of this app that we also have a full stack development team that could help integrate it with whatever whatever thing that the acquirer wants to integrate it with or make changes like they may they may acquire it and they're like this is awesome but we actually need to do a bunch of extra work that we didn't anticipate or didn't like didn't didn't think of or didn't want didn't want to do and they may want to do that and so maybe can we list this app on microacquire and try to generate some additional consulting revenue for our agency work, and so I don't know. I mean, this guy, this guy that that um, that I was uh, following on Twitter, for just sort of looking through his uh, tweets, he is a developer, so I don't think he's the right customer in that sense. But I kind of want to get his thoughts because it's interesting. It's interesting to see on the other end, or to see like as a as an external observer, that somebody has bought an bought a business through Microacquire, and has 
kind of destroyed it. <laughs> like brought it down to zero dollars revenue. He still had, he said he still had some customers that were like pretty pretty understanding, and so we're just kind of waiting around. But he, not all of them. They didn't all wait around for him to fix whatever he needed to fix. And just it just seems like an interest. I don't know. Like maybe there's an opportunity there as part of this process is make sure that it's something that's that is acquirable and easy to deal with. Like you know, we're being kind of particular about how we how we build it and how we deploy it so that we don't have to like so it's not super hard to disentangle from some of the other stuff we have going on so that theoretically we can just like send somebody some login information maybe <laughs> and they can get access to it and just have it like have it i don't know it's probably a good idea i don't know how that's something you can market towards potential purchasers or make it i don't know because i feel like that should increase the value of it but you can't you can't just say, also, it's implemented really goodly, so it costs more money. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, like, that's why I want to I wanna maybe message this guy and uh, ask him, did he know he was getting into a not a great code base? And that's that came into negotiation. Like, there's some due diligence that goes around with acquiring a business. You don't just sort of, somebody says, hey, here's a thing. It's X number of dollars. And you go, I will pay that, please. Without like doing some kind of investigation and understanding of uh, what's going on, what you're going to get with it, right? Like there's got to be some kind of due diligence. And so I just wonder if, if that factored into the price at all. <laughs> I mean, because he's spending a lot of time dealing with it. It is his own time. So, you know, how depends on, I guess, how he values his time. But there must be some, some metric there. He would have said like, I would have paid a little bit more if I didn't have to do all this work. <laughs> yeah. Or paid a little bit less because he had to do all this work. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about the implementation a little bit? I know we said we were going to try and not be like super nerdy about it, but I don't, I don't know who our audience is. So um, let's talk about a little bit how it is built. How, what are we doing to make it so that it is going to be something that could be acquired by someone else and it wouldn't be too, too much work to, to change and make modifications to? Well it's it's all self-contained and in a single docker image i think it's been a couple of weeks so theoretically any platform that you can just deploy a docker image to you can just run the app i think the only third-party service that it depends on is Superbase for authentication right. but because it's only using that for authentication right now it might use it for some other things but theoretically that's also easy to transfer over to someone else they do actually say if you want to transfer to contact Superbase, but it means it's probably possible. That's that's it. And then just sending source code, which But even like even like we've we've not really worked with these this particular way we're deploying it. So we're also deploying it on something called Fly. Fly.io, which is a uh, hosting platform that is relatively new, kinda neat. Isn't it super new? It's like a few uh, months. Old. I don't know. It's it's new-ish. It is I new. I don't know how new. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. new. I mean, um, it's pretty sweet because it can just deploy Docker files and you don't need like any other configuration really or like environment setup. So We are going to be using more database stuff though, right? Because we, we eventually will need to have more than just account information. We would need probably. to have, like we were just talking about, the ability to persist real estate agents, at least their name, probably logo, maybe their face, picture of their face, things like that. Yeah, well, Superbase is basically just Postgres, so it's already a database. So things like name, 
like that that cannot be stored. Uh, the images, I think Superbase has a way to upload images. I think it just uses S3, but we could also just use S3, which is also easy to transfer. Right. <sighs> and I don't know. I mean, so much of this is totally new. We don't, we don't even know what is going to be a pain and what is not going to be a pain. But I think sticking with using Superbase's stuff, like just use their stuff and then let them worry about it. Yeah. Well, that was sort of the, that was part of the motivation of using something like Superbase. I think normally we, for our other projects, we're more likely to default to kind of in-house things or tools that we host ourselves. But in this case, one of the benefits of using a third-party tool or service is that usually it is really easy to, to just switch the control of it to someone else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without having to change anything really, which is kind of nice. Yeah, cool. So are you anything about the way you're writing it in the back end, like the, the code itself that is worth noting or discuss? I know it's pretty rough at the moment. Like we're kind of throwing, slapping stuff together and hoping for the best for the most part, but it's so yeah. problematic that we're gonna have to go back and redo a bunch of stuff. Oh, no, I don't think anything's, no. <laughs> I don't think anything's problematic. I don't think. I think it's it's pretty, I don't think it's that slapped together at this point. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's so there's like a bunch of front-end tests. There's end-to-end -end tests. There's unit tests. It's written in TypeScript, which might make it easier if other developers need to work on it. It's not a huge application, so maybe it doesn't really affect things. Mm -hmm. But like, there's like validation on API routes and stuff like that. So it should be hard to break. Maybe. <laughs> I'm hoping. Right. I don't know. I haven't really tried to break it. It actually was really easy to break until I added some other validation, so. Oh, right, because I, I found a big image and I uploaded it and yeah. it crashed everything. It just crashed everything, didn't even restart. So I just put a cap on the images and now it's fine, probably. Yeah, but that feels like not a great solution because I can imagine that images that real estate agents might upload might be large-ish. Probably, I, I put a conservative limit of like a megabyte for now because I didn't want to bother having to restart the server. Yeah. I also yeah. added a little thing so that it should restart if it crashes. It was mostly cost driven. I think it's yeah. costing us like $2 a month or something right now. Yeah. So, we don't want to scale it up too much to handle yeah. 12, 12 meg files. Well, yeah, is that's there... another benefits of flies. You can just scale it up by like clicking a different number from a dropdown to give it more memory. But that also increases the cost. Well, yeah. 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 So I still want to do uh, a landing page for this, um, is that something that you want to build? <laughs> I'll build a landing page. I don't think it'll look good. <laughs> Not, <laughs> I, I don't think it's about want. I think it's about ability. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think if, if I make the landing page, I don't think anyone will be very excited about it. But you did, you made a good point about the landing page because you open up the app and it's just a login screen with like no title. <laughs> yeah, no context at all. It's like, just what is login. Like, just okay. give, us your, give us an email and a password <laughs> yeah. and we'll go from there. <laughs> See what happens. Um, what, would, it, would it make sense for the landing page to be part of, the, part of the app that you've built or should we use something else, like some other kind of tool to make a landing page? Because I, uh, like, I would like the landing page to be somewhat functional so that you could try out the app right from there and generate an image. So that, to me, makes me think that it should be part of the, part of the app. Probably. It's, yeah. I think trying to use a separate tool for the landing page might just be more 
more pain than it's worth. Got it. It's not like writing static HTML is really that hard. Yeah. So, so maybe yeah. we can ask Steve for a logo from there. I feel like I could design an okay landing page for us. <laughs> I don't think that would take that long. You just design it in Figma and then you can take it and turn it into turn it into a web page. Mm-hmm. I still I don't want to do the logo. No, I I very briefly started sketching some things out and I was like, no, this is too hard. <laughs> Steve is a uh, Steve is the designer on our team. He's 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 relatively new. He only started less than a month ago. But he's interested and he I asked him if he how long he would if he would be able to come up with a an image like a generated image like a, a better designed generated image so he was going to give that a go but we haven't checked in uh, we have a meeting on monday to check in so i'll see if he's if he's progressed or if he's just busy with other things i yeah. told him it was optional <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm excited for that some of his his illustrations are just amazing mm-hmm. yeah i don't know we're building a game right now and it's uh, it's in it's in the ranching world and so it's super fun. Uh, he's got these two different styles that are just really, really cool. Cows. <laughs> Cows. <laughs> yeah. What do you want it to look like? What's the What's the tone that you want it to have? I don't know. Like, I was trying to figure that out. The domain itself is kind of kind of funnish because it's an it's not a dot com. It's a dot social, which I'm not even sure we're using that right. Like I don't know if 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 dot socials <laughs> are meant for social. I hope media. it doesn't have some like horrible connotation or something. <laughs> Oh no, that we didn't think of. Ah, shoot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think. So. I don't know. Um, certainly wasn't our intent. But like, what? What's the tone? Like, what kind of? What kind of? I don't know. Imagery? Do we want to use? I don't know. Are realtors fun? Realtors don't seem. F- I think some of them are fun. I was. So- I've been paying attention to the uh, bus seat advertisements lately, uh-huh. and some of them feel very like clip art y <laughs> but some of them look kind of nice and none of them have like there's definitely not a cartoonishness to it and i'd say nothing is like ultra modern like if i look at some of the tools and landing pages or some of the landing pages for tools that we might use th- they are beautiful but in a very modern kind of way and i'm not sure if that's the right way to go for real estate agents hmm. i don't know I don't know. I feel like a lot of realtors, their brands seem very premium with like gold text, gold on black. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, you think ours should have like some, not maybe not quite so overt, but maybe something like that, like borrow some of those, some of those ideals? Maybe. Try to seem high class. High class? Okay. Maybe. Ugh, I don't not, know. I don't know if I can do that. But then there's also, because I think there's also a whole class of realtors that are like, cool realtors that are like your friend yeah oh my goodness i don't know So maybe i mean that is the brand of the realtor not us right like that's their brand that's not necessarily our brand yeah but i think i don't know i actually have no idea but i feel like as a realtor that's like the world you're in of your own brand and other people's brands so you're kind of used to that Mm -hmm. What if, hey, I have an idea. What if next time we record, I invite my friend Van to come on and, and record with us and we'll just watch him use the app and get his feedback real time. That <laughs> would w- that be fun? Would be fun, yeah. Ah, okay. I, you know, that's, and that's motivating for me to go and like, get, get in touch with him and let him know. Yeah, even if, even if the app actually turns out to be horrible and he hates it, at least we'll have 
hopefully a good podcast episode. Yeah. Okay. And I so, like some that. learnings. Okay. I just thought of that. So I'm going to, yeah, I'll, I'll reach out. I'll reach out to uh, my friend Van DeMarco. He's a relatively new real estate agent in Vancouver. I'll see if he wants to come on and give his thoughts um, just like real time. Like we won't even, <laughs> we won't even give him a heads up as to what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell him a heads up. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to record you and sort of get your response, but I'm not going to share any screenshots ahead of time. Awesome. So maybe by next week, we'll have an interview with a real live real estate agent. A real, real realtor. A real realtor. Realtor. You've been listening to The Robot Factory. We'll tune in next week. See you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we need a better sign off than that. Uh-huh. You say you say we've you've been listening to the Robot Factory. You sign off. You've been listening to The Robot Factory, starring Jonathan Bowers and Caleb Sharp. Woo! Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, who was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's Caleb. Caleb's doing the, doing the outro now. <laughs>